0: Hey, everyone, and welcome to the In Creative Q&A. My name is Scott Nance. I'll be moderating our conversation for Star Trek Picard Season 2. Very excited to welcome Ito Aguirre, who plays young Guinan in the episode Watcher. So very excited. Welcome, Ito. And my first question is, what, do, what does the number 838 mean to you? 838. All right. You ready? I'm ready. That is how many episodes of Star Trek have aired since 1966.
1: Oh, that's crazy.
0: And counting, Ido, and counting. So you are now officially part of this big, massive Star Trek family. What does this mean to you?
1: I mean, it's wild. It's just a wild thing. I mean, as an actor, you don't often choose the projects that you, that you take part in. I mean, as much as you say no to auditioning for something or yes to auditioning for something, you don't often control whether or not you're going to get it. And so to be able to be a part of this universe that I loved as a kid is, is unreal. I mean, it's just, it's been such a gift to be a part of because I brought all of my own wonder and admiration and awe for for Star Trek into the work that I did, asking the questions of the producers, who were so wonderful because they you know they wa- didn't want to spoil anything for me as an actor working on the project so I discovered after the fact that a lot of things that they told me or didn't tell me was because I didn't know how this you know I didn't know how this season would end up and I still don't I have no idea where it's going because yeah. I didn't I didn't get those scripts and so some of the answers that they give me for questions I'd ask them while we were filming are different now or the same, but it had a lot to do with the fact that they were, you know, Terry and Akiva, they they are, they are also fans and they want to honor every single person who is a part of this universe, whether it's acting in it behind the camera, whether it's, you know, if you've been a fan since you've been a kid, they are so um, they have created such a rich world in Picard that has infused all of their passion for this universe that we all know and love. So it's, it's been such a beautiful journey for me, kind of a full circle moment.
0: Well, I got to say, you know, it's so great that you, you do bring this, this love and this, this deep knowledge of Star Trek with you to the role. So, so my question is like, what was your entry point into Star Trek in the first place?
1: Yeah. Well, when I was a kid there, you know, I was raised by very sweet, very protective parents who didn't let us watch a lot of TV. So the shows that we, we did watch either had to be intellectual of some sort or something they knew. And Star Trek just, I guess, looked like something to them that they're like, they'll learn something. Uh-huh, let, yeah. let them watch it. They wouldn't watch it with us, but <laughs> they would let me watch it. And I kind of fell in love with space. In that way, and kind of this vision of the future, and I still to this day am. You know, I have like all of the all of the space books and all of the the like yesterday, I think we found out the oldest star was just discovered by, by NASA. And like, I'm still fascinated by this world that is so unknown to us, but that we have to project because we can't reach it. You know, we can only guess at what, what those things are. And I felt like Star Trek was that series for me as a kid. It was like this, you know, the rotterberry just created this world that he was projecting his hope and his aspiration into like he was hoping for a world that could do this. And I think as a kid, it it engaged my imagination in that way. Like, what would 2430 look like? What would that world include? Hopefully it includes people who look like me and people who look like you in a world in which we can have intellectual conversations about really complex issues. That's what Star Trek was. I think it it made me feel like a grown-up watching it, but it had this childlike
0: awe of this world that we don't know. It really is amazing because, you know, my entry point was the original series when it was in syndication,
1: mm.
0: and, you know, in the early seventies, I was a little kid and was on five nights a week. And then in 1987 next generation was this whole new thing. And then, yeah. and then it went to deep space nine and Voyager. Yeah. And here we are with all these new shows Yeah. And, and as basically a lifelong fan. I, I just am so excited. And season two has been so fantastic. And when we see you on the screen, uh, and, you know, Picard kind of puts it together that this is, this is Guinan. Yeah. So, so when you were getting into it, yeah. you actually had a lot of knowledge about it. Didn't you call Terry on like, like something where like, shouldn't she know who this is?
1: Yeah. I remember day one, I was like, Ito, don't you talk yourself out of a job. And I was like, but I'm a fan. So I was like, I have to ask him about this. And I think the answer he gave me was because he didn't want to spoil the story for me. And so he didn't give me the, the answer that I know now, which is that I was in a different timeline. And so I created a world for myself in which I never met Patrick and I never, you know, I never met Picard. Mm-hmm. And as a result of that, what happens when you don't have hope that is brought to you from, from some some traveler from a future world who comes to you in the 18th century and says, it's going to get better. I promise it's going to get better. There's a whole universe of of experiences that you're going to have between now and then. If I didn't have that moment, this is what I crafted for myself as as the, the, the origin story of my gina in 20 you know in 2024 if she didn't have that hope and she just had 200 years of just wishing that it could get better wishing that it could and it does get better but then it regresses it does get better and then it regresses what happens to your hope what happens to to your level of bitterness and i think that was that was it was such a uh, a wonderful investigation and the producers let me go there they didn't want to hem me in by what they knew being in the writer's room, what was going on, because I didn't read every script. I only read the, the, you know, I only read the script of of the, I don't want to spoil, I only read the script of what I'm in. (laughs) So that's as far as the, the world that I knew I was a part of. And so, yeah, Terry didn't give me a straighter answer to begin with, but I did discover that we were on, you know, we were on the same wavelength. We had the same, you know, the same understanding of why wouldn't she know him? It's because it's a completely different timeline that she's in with completely different touchstones for for her own journey, you know, as an Elorian. And I just, I have to say again, I just love the producers I've, I've worked with and all the creatives because everybody was so steeped in the universe that, that we'd all come to from different, you know, entry points. Like my entry point was TNG in syndication in like the mid to late nineties. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. And so, and I stayed there. I would rewatch old episodes. I tried to do deep nine, but I was, I was always come back. I would always come back to TNG mm-hmm. and you have these producers who are, you know, like Terry who did 12 monkeys, who's one of, that's one of my favorite series and it's all time travel. It's all character building and it's, you know, and it's so high level. And you have these people writing the show this season in a way that takes into account all the many generations that have existed before this one in Star Trek. And it it feels like there's so many homages to to those
0: stories. Ito, I got to tell you. So when I was watching the first two episodes of, of season two of Picard. So, so again, you know, being just a lifelong fan, and and especially you know, being how 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 the original series and Next Gen and Deep Space Nine are are my three favorite shows, yeah. um, when I realized what they were going for, you know, when when it was basically part City on the Edge of Forever, part yes. Mirror, you know, part part Yesterday's Enterprise, part First Contact, uh, you know, part The Voyage Home, and like. Yeah. Uh, and, but yet, it all feels like its own thing. But, yeah. but it sounds like Ito. When you reached out to Terry to be like, "Hey, wait a minute about the the Guinan thing," you know, shouldn't she you know him? It sounds like his response really helped you zero in on your approach to playing Guinan. For sure. Out of that, you got like, "Aha! I know how I'm going to play her."
1: This is what I'm going to do, and and I I have a huge deep respect for him as, as a creator, because I'm, I can't imagine how easy it would be just to be like, just do this. This is what we're doing. This is the answer. But he was like, find it, discover it, you know? Um, and they trusted me, you know, with what I was bringing to the character. It helped that I loved kind, you know, guy in the, you know, guy that, that will be brought to life, you know, in the nineties. And they gave me such freedom to be able to find it. And it was kind of a lovely surprised to be like oh I was right in the pocket like it was that is exactly what the answer was and um yeah I, I've enjoyed every minute of the discovery process it's been really great
0: so so because you were such a big fan of Next Gen like when you realized actually let me back up a second mm-hmm. when you were like when this was all coming about yeah did you even know that you were auditioning for Guinan and that you were auditioning for Star Trek. I didn't. I didn't. I, you know, as I'm sure, you know, a
1: lot of these projects are so massive that they usually kind of use like some code name to, to disguise what the project actually is. So when I auditioned for it, it was called Dylan's Kitchen Uh and which is a joke on one of the producers, Dylan Mastin, who, um, of Dylan's Kitchen. Uh, and there's a longer story about that, but It matters not, but um, so I was auditioning for a a show called Dylan's Kitchen and it was a woman named Gwen, who is my character, who was kind of fed up with with everything. And she was trying to get rid of this guy named John who just wouldn't get off her tail. And it, it was such a simple but complex scene. Somebody wanted me to help them and I was done helping. And I understood that relationship. I understood that, that, that disappointment, that bitterness, that, that level of, of, of um, indifference that you can have after trying so hard to make something work so hard to make your small corner of the universe better. I can relate to that. And I think a lot of people can relate to that. I think that's universal, the universal sense of ennui, that, that feeling of like, what more is there that I can do in whatever sense um you know of your experience. And that's how I connected to the role. I just I just loved that it kind of like it, it 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 took me to that deep place of of exploring that emotion, that experience of what it means to be finished, to decide that you are finished and somebody else to challenge that. And so that's how I fell in love with the role. And then maybe a couple rounds in of auditioning it was like a, oh, and uh, this is Guinan. And I was like,
0: what? What? My yeah. <laughs>
1: and then I thought about it a little more and I was just like, if they're going to do a time travel version of this series, like, you know, this this season, perhaps, perhaps this could work. So I got really excited after I heard it was Star Trek.
0: So, so was this like a, a dream come true when you realized that it was Star Trek and who you were playing?
1: Not at first. And I'll tell you why, because I didn't have the job yet. I was auditioning for it. So it was like, it was a dream to be auditioning for it, but it's kind of one of those things where you're like, I really want to get this, but then you have to let it go. Because if you, you know, you kind of have to let God do what he's going to do. And so once I got it, that's when it like really hit me that like, this is a, the most cathartic moment I've ever had in my, in my career where, you know, a universe that I was so familiar with and had so so many emotional ties to. I was going to be able to be a part of expanding it in a way, and yes, that that was and is a dream come true.
0: Wow! Tell me about the first time you met Patrick Stewart.
1: First time I met Patrick was we were outside in a park. We were filming the the scene that's you know that you can already see. We were filming the scene um, where we're outside in a park. And I was, I think, four blocks away from my old apartment, the first apartment I lived in in LA. Absolutely. Wow. There were so many layers to the day where it was just like it kept um, kind of like it kept, it was just like this rever- like reverberation of like, this is a full circle moment. This is like, you've been here, you've been preparing for this. Four blocks away from my apartment, I knew exactly where we were. We were at MacArthur Park, I'd run circles around that park many, many, many times. And um, they blocked it all off, you know, because they don't want anybody to see. Patrick is pretty like, he has like a, a very iconic
0: look. It sure does. <laughs> yeah.
1: And so um, Leah Thompson is directing. And so she kind of is like, come meet Patrick, come meet Patrick. I'm like, no, no, no. I'll take my time. It's okay. It's okay. She's like, no, 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 come, He's fine. He'll he, he, love you. He'll love you. And I'm just like, whenever somebody says like somebody famous is gonna love you, I'm like, they don't know me. They don't have. They could be. They don't have to be nice to me. And and um and so I prepare for the worst because you never know. There's a lot going on and everything. But he's just sitting so peacefully on this bench, and I had the night before been like shopping at this really um cute food store, and I saw a jar of um, uh, marmite. And a friend of mine who had worked with him years ago was just like, Oh, yeah, he really likes that stuff. And it hit me that night night before I was just like, <laughs> hey, why not? Why not? I give like, him a little marmite. might break the ice. Um, and so i'm I have like a little jar of marmite as I'm walking up to Patrick Stewart, like, hi, I'm your guy. <laughs> And um, he just turns to me sitting on this bench, such an oasis of calm. And he's like,
0: You are my guy. And I'm like, I could hear it. I could hear it, Ito. I hear it. You are my guy. <laughs> you are my guyman.
1: <laughs> such a sweet man. And I give him the marmite. I was like, here's the marmite. I, I've heard you like marmite. And he was just hugging the marmite. He's a very sweet, sweet man. And um, just so generous in every way, um, as as an artist and as a human, and it was it was so wonderful to be able to do that first scene with him because we have to go through so much in that episode, and yeah. you know this this episode before we get to a place of like, okay, I'm gonna help you. And so to be able to have that, you know, in the first moment that we meet each other, like kind of a, a feeling or a promise of camaraderie, it was really wonderful.
0: Yeah, when when she first when we we first see Guiden and she pulls a shotgun on Picard, it's like, well, the, this is not the ten forward on the you know, no, one D is it? Um, <laughs> but I, I want to ask like uh, Ito about about working like working with him, how 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 you elevated each other, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, he's Patrick Stewart, but you know, yeah. you bring your own. Your own dynamic to the role too. And yeah. that was because this is not the guy in that movie played all those years. So right. you're doing something different and he's gotta, you know, react yeah. to that. So what was that? I mean
1: I will say I have to give credit to the writers because I think it's 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 really everybody, every part of Creating this world that we built together is—it's collaborative. So from, you know, Dave Blass, who did production design to create that bar, to create that atmosphere, to Leah Thompson directing everything and putting everything in place, and kind of like an orchestra, you know, and like a like an orchestra conducting all of these pieces to move in harmony. To to you know Christine who did wardrobe, you know, and making sure everybody feels like they're from their own respective worlds. All of these things came together to coalesce into this this, um, I think this, this timeline that we're building. Mm. And I think I, I mentioned the writers because they crafted a story in which you have two very different people who unbeknownst to them need something from each other. And yep. so my guy in might not know she needs something from him, but what she gets from him is some version of redemption.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. some
1: promise of 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 this moment mattering her time here mattering and what he needs is someone to help fix everything The clashing forces and like there's nothing better than that in a story because you want to see where it goes because you have two people who are who are strongly entrenched in their own you know in their own worldview and they will not move until they do and I think that there's there's a beauty to be able to act within that world when the words do that for you. So giving credit to where credit is due, the writers helped us with that. I think one of the beautiful things too, that we brought to that dynamic is our personalities. I mean, Patrick has the, the experience of understanding what his relationship with Whoopi and and the, the the dynamic that they brought to their relationship. So I think what was really cool was being able to (laughs) (laughs) to like essentially tear down his the 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 expectation he had that my guy and would be like whoopies it's this kind of like joyful fun where he's just like we're going to be friends you know we're going to be friends and it's just like no we're not (laughs) that that tension is just it's so much fun to play and he that's one thing i will say about working with him there was just so much room to play and 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 playing also includes going to those deep emotional places and, and and being present for you know and the space for 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 to access those dramatic those dramatic beats and and he was lockstep with me every time and and immovable you know, and that's what you need in a really great scene and a really great scene partner, somebody who is not, who is like, who's not willing to be moved until, until you get them, you know, and, and that was what was really exciting about working with Patrick, that he brought this, just like this gentility, this, this, this natural affability to the, to his work. It made my role really hard to just like hold a shotgun in his face. I mean, it's satisfying. It's satisfying as my character to do that to somebody so kind and warm and gentle, but also it's, it's, um, it's, it's the good kind of play that you have actor to actor. And so it was such a joy. You,
0: know, you, two, you brought up uh, Leia Thompson a couple of times and, mm-hmm. and Leia directed this episode and the one right after it too. So listen, Leah Thompson knows a whole lot about time travel. Yes, she does. Um, so, but But I was kind of surprised to see her uh, as like directed by Leia Thompson, that she was directing an episode of Star Trek. So what makes Leia Thompson a great actor's director?
1: I think she she listens really well. And I think she's also always, uh, one thing I noticed about her process is that like, at the core of how she works as a creative as a director collaboration is like a pillar of of the way that she works she trusts and respects every single person that she works with including her actors including including you know the wardrobe assistants including the the transportation guys she trusts and respects everyone equally and i think what that allows Um, what that creates is an environment in which everybody wants to bring their best. Everybody wants to like continue bringing their best and like, how about this? And how about this? And ideas, 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 ideas. Um, it it was such a, a a warm environment to cultivate all those really cool ideas. Like she, she called me, I think a couple days before we were shooting for the first time. And she was like, let's talk about the script. Let's talk about, you know, um, you know, um, all the different ways we're going to you know create this create this world and and what what would that look like for you what do you envision for for your guyin what you know what are your ideas and because of that level of collaboration that she had it it was Honestly, an invitation to be able to pour my own ideas into who this character was, and because she was such a huge part in creating this environment in which everybody is receptive to that, and that's top down. That's Patrick doing that. That's Akiva and Terry, and you know, and all the producers doing that because they created an environment in which everybody wants to, everybody knows the world and loves the world and wants to contribute to the world. It it allowed me to be able to have the space as an actor to be like, um, look, can we make the bar look like this? maybe like a little bit more like how about more people of color on the walls and like how about like i'm i'm wearing this because like you know i don't i don't care about mud getting on my boots or whatever how, that level of collaboration is 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 so wonderful as an actor to be able to be invited into and um
0: leah was definitely a huge part of that in just the way that she works with us and the way that she worked with us so so you just just you know, I'm thinking back, you know, into the late nineties when you were, you were watching Next Generation and Syndication. Did you ever like play Star Trek, you know, like, like remember the dialogue and, you know, that kind of.
1: There's like, yeah, there's like certain episodes. Most of, you know, I remember most of the episodes that I remember are her episodes. Okay, okay. Because it's like a young black girl. It's like, you look for the character that looks like you so you could place yourself in that world with like confidence. And so a lot of the, a lot of the, the, the episodes that i remember were hers and so the one that comes to mind right now is is funny because it's the one um
0: the
1: the one where patrick is playing a detective
0: oh the the big (laughs) goodbye the big goodbye yes great episode (laughs) i mean i
1: just love when he's like dixon hill is like yes (laughs) and, and they brought in dixon hill in this episode where you know Allison Pill, you know, she's just like, okay, Dixon Hill. I was like, you guys are brilliant. Again, it's just, it's, you see the love of the show. You see the love of this universe in the way the writers and the producers have just crafted this season. And I think we'll see more of that as we go on. But um, your original question of other words, are there things? Yes, most of the episodes, I remember images. And so I just remember the image of like Patrick Stewart and his hat. And the door, you know that like iconic, like it's like the Perry Mason type of like look in Star Trek. I mean, it's just one of those things where it's just like they crossed over so many different genres in that show in a genre that is just didn't usually do that, you know, where it wasn't allowed. And so I just I love that.
0: It's it's funny you talk you talk about the character that you you you, you connect with. Like when I was when I was a kid, like you know I wanted to be Captain Kirk. I. I <laughs> I mean, uh, honestly, yeah. Ito, I still do. No. <laughs> and and just no shame. It, when I was in fifth grade, my my fifth grade teacher, Mrs. Rosoff, asked if anybody knew mm. the opening words, the, the opening paragraph to the constitution mm. and nobody raised her hand. And I raised my hand, went to the front of the class, said the opening lines to the constitution and everybody applauded. My teacher says, where did you learn that Scott Mance? And I said, Star Trek, so yeah. there you go, you know? Um, but that's just, uh, yeah, it. that's a qu- quick story. So, so, uh, you know, here we are, we we have now had so many Star Trek shows now, like 13. Yeah. You know, we have another one coming up with Strange New Worlds. Like, right. what is it that you love the most about Star Trek?
1: Mm, I think I love how many story, like the, the number of stories that could exist in this universe Number the stars in the universe. It is literally the, the parameters. The parameters are how small our imagination is. Like it is literally a series about worlds, and that's kind of at the crux of it. That that is that's why it, it's so engaging. That's why you can watch you can watch Next Generation and watch like you know Voyager and you can watch all of these different visions of these different, you know, these different um, series within the same universe, but not exhaust the number of stories you can Agreed. tell right? yep. within that universe. Mm-hmm. And I think there are ve- there are very few franchises that can do that because it becomes so one note, it becomes so monotone. And I think because the th- this series is about at the crux of it how big your world is, how big your universe is. If we continue expanding, there's no end to the number of stories that could exist, the number of worlds that could be explored. That's what's so cool about Star Trek. You're like, where are they going this week? What are they gonna see? Who are they gonna talk to? Mm. What are the issues gonna be? Mm. There is no end to the amount of storytelling that you can that you can do. It, it is brilliant. <laughs> it is just, That's what I love about it. It's endless. It just keeps going. You just have, you can just keep imagining what, what could exist out there, you know? And, and I love that they continue to do that, but then also reflect back to where we are here, our small little pale blue dot. That is, that is another level of, of like meta awareness that, that this show has across the various series that, you know, that have been created. That I really enjoy. And not every show does that. Not every show is meant to do that. But I do feel like, as, as a franchise, Star, Star Trek has been very, um, has not shied away from turning the spotlight onto, you know, on to the world that we are in and the people that we are. And in a way that is, in a way that you can receive it, because while you're looking out there, while you're looking up at the stars, You're thinking it's so far away, then all of a sudden it's like, oh, this is my, this is my feelings towards fill in the blank issue. Maybe I need to maybe I need to think about that a little bit more. Maybe I need to add a little bit more perspective there. And a show that can do that, but still constantly like expand the the universe that's that it's
0: in. I mean, that for me is like the ultimate. You know what, Ito, it's remarkable how when you go back to those earlier shows especially next gen and, and yeah. series in the space nine, how many of those episodes were ahead of their time? Oh yeah. How many of those episodes are so much more relevant now today, especially after these last two years, which have been nuts. Yeah. But I want you to remember this conversation because I started off the conversation by giving you the number 838. 838. So It'll just be maybe a couple of years when that number is going to go up to 1,000. And when Star Trek celebrates its 1,000th episode, I'm going to remember my conversation with Ito Aguirre. And thank you so much for joining us for the in Q&A. Best of luck. And until we meet again, keep going boldly. (laughs) Thank you. you. (laughs) Thanks, Scott.